Today at both campuses, uh, we're celebrating 50 years as a fellowship, and one year in this building. A year ago today, we moved in here. You have heard uh, today some from our past, and we're going to be celebrating that all year long. Today, as we look at where we've been over the last 50 years, this is going to be a bit different. We want to look at our world today, and we want to look at what we should be. The scripture we're going to read today is a, a passage that uh, was preached on a lot when I was a kid. I haven't preached on it a lot, uh, but it's, it's one I've really kind of avoided because I heard so much about it when I was a kid, but it's all the more true today uh, than it was in that day. Let's stand again. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we'll read these words that Paul writes to Timothy as a young minister preparing him for what's ahead and expressing what's going to happen for us in the last days. It says this, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. That was true in the 1970s. It's even more true in 2016. We need to watch this and pay attention and understand what's going on in the world around us. Father, today, help our hearts to be captured by your Spirit. Once again, as you gave me freedom in the first service, give me freedom in this service, I pray, to... Uh, Father, bring to bear the truth of where we're at and what we need to do in this day and this age while we wait for your return. Touch us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, 50 years after the start of our fellowship here in Springfield, Illinois, today, at the highest levels of national power, we celebrate wrong as right. Today, in our country, there's national confusion on something as simple as gender identity. Today, immorality seems to be the norm instead of the exception. Corruption in business, corruption in government fills the news. It truly feels like the church is swimming upstream. Barna Research tells us that in the early 1960s, less than 5% of babies were born outside of marriage. Today, the national number is over 40%, and inside of some demographic groups, it's over 70%. The entire role of marriage is being turned upside down and redefined by a culture that has walked away from the Word of God. And that even happens in Christian circles. 
It was pointed out to me this week that an evangelical New York Times best-selling author came out this year and said that after taking a few months of study, looking at the Word, she decided that same-sex marriage is seen as holy in God's sight and should be seen as holy in the church's sight. Something that 2,000 years of theologians completely misinterpreted. Augustine, Luther, Calvin, Spurgeon, Matthew Henry, Dake, and thousands of others missed this subtle point of truth inside of Scripture, according to her. Confusion. Over 70% of our Christian students that leave high school and attend secular universities give up their faith in the first two years of their university experience. Teenagers today, according to George Barna, are the most religiously active Americans of any demographic group, while American 20-somethings are some of the least religiously active of any group. Someplace, something's going wrong. Teenagers in our churches today are asking questions about moral conduct that even those outside of faith that were far from God and didn't believe in God were not asking 30 years ago. Many in our culture today describe Christianity as hypocritical, judgmental, hateful, and out of touch with reality. Barna research goes on to show that overall knowledge of Scripture, doctrine, and church history is poor among most Christians, not just young adults. When they question Christians today about what they know, they don't know much. Here's one of the bigger pro- big problems that we have to address. A majority of young adults in their 20s interviewed reporting that they never had an adult Christian friend other than, their pa- other than their parents. And this is the one absolutely statistic altering, altering truth for, the, for Christians who go into the secular campuses and survive their time there is that the vast, vast majority of those who survive talk about a Christian friend outside of their family that was older than them, that mentored them and spoke into their lives. And yet the vast majority say, They don't have anything like that. Here's something that's equally as startling. Young Christians are the least likely generation to believe in and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Mom and dads, I want to tell you, it's the voice of the Spirit that brings conviction. The law just brings rules. If all you do is present the rules to your kids... They're going to push the boundaries. When they meet the Spirit in their life, they're going to run for more of God. We need to introduce them to the Spirit. On my Facebook page, if you've been following me on on Facebook as we've gone through our Bible study program that's coming to a conclusion at the end of this month, I've been posting every day on both the Calvary site and on on my site and in this week, on, on, on my side, on, on, we, we talked about Psalm 11, 3, where it says that the foundations are destroyed. What can the, what can the righteous do? 
And I, remind, I want to remind you that Christians today attend church less than at, than at any time in the last hundred years. Here we are in these perilous times, dangerous times, and Christians darken the doors of the church less than at any time in the last hundred years. In fact, I, 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 I've wondered at times if I told you the Apostle Paul was going to be here tonight, if somebody would say, I'm too busy. I don't go to church on Sunday night. In a day and age where our knowledge is weak and where the pressure is against us, and at the same time, we're less faithful. Christians know so little about our doctrine that our faith is influenced by our culture instead of being a light in a dark world. In fact, even inside of Christian circles, you find that there's some strange mix of doctrines from different belief systems that infiltrate even into the church world. So have we been seduced by busyness? By apathy? By laziness? By ease? Whatever the case, our children wander from God and our ability to pray is weak. It's time to rebuild the foundations. What should the church be like? The church should be the most culturally impacting segment of society. The way we live our lives, the way we conduct ourselves, we should be the salt of the earth. Instead, we're ignored. We should be powerful in the leading of the Holy Spirit to care for people in need. The voice of the believer should be embedded with the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that will cut through the lies of the enemy. Do you understand that all of our arguments go nowhere unless the power of the Holy Spirit flows through those statements that we make with the love of God to penetrate the darkness of a person's heart? Our prayer services should be filled with believers seeking the face of God and discovering His blessing. And our children should be giants of faith filled with the knowledge of God's Word, living under the leading of the Spirit of God. Believers, we should be a beacon of light in a dark world. Our mission at Calvary Church is to challenge every person in central Illinois to seriously consider the claims of Christ and to support ministries around the world that do the same. I want to tell you we owe our generation as believers filled with the Spirit of God with a revelation of heaven in our hearts, with the truth of Jesus in our hearts. We owe our generation nothing less than that. To give them the opportunity to hear the truth and to be convicted by the truth and to be drawn to him. What do we owe our generation? All people should hear a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus. Many of them will never come in our doors to hear it. We've got to go out and share it with them. All people should see a clear representative of Jesus in their life because they know somebody who is clearly living for Jesus in their life. All people should see the light of good works that were prepared in advance for us to do and see the response of the church to their need and to the needs of the world. All people should sense the power of God through anointed voices in their life. All people should experience the wisdom of God lived in front of them. 
All people should see the unwavering faith of a believer's life in all times of their life. And all people should see the shining difference of a life lived for God's glory. This should happen both organically as you live your life, as people see you and know you and, and discover and as you reveal to them your faith and they see how you live your life in time of crisis and they see how you respond in time of need and they see the, the fruit of the Spirit growing in you. This should happen organically as we go out into our community, as, as we live our lives and it should also happen organizationally as we use our gifts and our resources together to bring the light of the gospel into people's lives throughout our community. And we should do that fearlessly. This week I went out for a walk. I need to do that more often. I'd gone out for a walk. It was a beautiful day. and had, a few, had an hour, so I went for a walk. And As I was walking, I came to this point, came around this corner, and I looked up and there was this 80 to 100 pound German shepherd out there. He looked at me and I looked at him. His ears flipped back. He jumped up on, on all fours because he was sitting laying down. He barked and growled and he came right at me. Now I'm telling you friends, there was no door to jump into. There was no car to jump into. There was no tree to climb. He was charging at me and there was no place to go. And I knew I couldn't outrun him. So I determined in that moment that the only thing I knew to do is, is I, I, I just understood they sensed fear. So I was going to be fearless. So I just looked at him and kept walking. And he came, I mean, he came growling and barking right up to my side. And he's barking and growling. He stopped so close to me that I could have reached out and put my hand on him. And he's just having a fit that I'm there. And I'm walking and he's growling and barking at me. And I'm just walking confidently and trying not to be, you know, show any fear or sense any fear. And finally we get to this point and he's just darting back and forth right next to me growling and barking and finally he gives up and he wanders off and in that moment in that moment as he ran away I was grateful for the courage I had in that moment thankful for the peace of my spirit and rejoicing in that eight foot fence that stood between me and him <laughs> grateful for that fence. <laughs> when you're submitted, when you walk a, a life submitted to the Word of God, when you walk a life led by the Spirit of God, you've got nothing to fear. Sadly, though, many Christians have only built two fences of faith in their life. And when the enemy charges out against them, and they have no place to run and no place to go. They've got no barrier standing between them and an enemy that's dashing in. Sadly, too many parents have, been, have built fences and left gaps in the fence for their children's lives. Haven't made sure they've been in places where they've experienced the power of God, learned the Word of God. Haven't, been, haven't put them in and let other people put up fencing that doesn't last in their life and when the enemy attacks he busts through all of it and he's on their children they wonder what in the world happened listen we've got to be a people who intently fence in the enemy 
who put him in a cage so he can't get to us, who build a fence around him so that he cannot touch our lives. When we think about this freedom, we want to walk in the freedom from an enemy who wants to come and destroy us. Here's our vision for the future in these terrible times. We want to be a church family, not a target audience. We want to be a church family, not a church club. We believe that each generation has something to offer the others. That there's excitement in one group and knowledge in another group. And when we put those things together, it can be healthy for the whole church. That the church isn't supposed to be segmented out just separately, but we are supposed to build intergenerational, cross-generational ministry with each other. This is why we have men's ministry. This is why we have women's ministry. This is why we have departmental ministries. It's so that inside of those, people with gifting can speak to other people and people can come together across the age group barriers and we can become a family of God. And the strength that we need from each other and the wisdom that we can get from each other and the excitement that can come from each other can be built together. But hear me, we can't do that unless you come. You got to come. You got to come and invest your life. You got to come and be a part. You got to sit and say, I'm not going to give in to ease or comfort or another half hour sleep. I've got to get up and I've got to go. You've got to come. We want to attract people and we want to reach out to people. Our goal on this property was to be an attractional place. That's why we put in the play zone. So moms and dads, can come and bring their children to do one thing and we can build relationships with us to allow us to do other things. It's why we, we want to build a new youth center and recognizing that the culture of the day, this is our next big project, that the culture of the day has changed and how we can reach out to young people and we've got to find a way to put mature Christians in relationship with teenagers around interest areas in their life that will allow us to speak the power of God into their life, the hope of God into their life, so that they will not be shaken by a world when they walk out the door of the church and go someplace else, but that they will have the fullness of the Spirit of God living in them. See, I believe that our teenagers don't have to cower under the power of our culture. They don't have to be destroyed by the lies of this world. But we can embed a truth within them that will, that will fence in that enemy and keep that enemy from devouring them. But we've got to be about the business of getting it done. I believe that things like our cross is a place where people can come and God can move in their life. If you've been on Facebook this week, on the Calvary Facebook side, you've site you've probably seen the picture in fact if you've got Facebook you can probably look it up right now uh, there's a picture in there that happened this week and, and they sent it to us and they, they gave us permission to use it so we put it on Facebook and what happened is this there's a family and uh, the grandmother passed away and they were very close with the grandmother and one, one day this last week the little boy says to his mom I want to send a balloon to heaven to grandma so she says that she thought well that's just his way of grieving and dealing with this and so she went out and they bought a helium balloon and got it and brought it to the car and she said what do you want to do with it and she, he said I want to take it out to the big cross and let it go up to heaven 
And there's this wonderful picture of this little boy running out to the cross. He wanted to go out by himself to let the balloon go up to heaven. You know what I believe? I believe that when people begin to come around that cross and begin to worship God and, begin to, and God begins to speak to them, he will meet with them and he will speak to them. So we've got to do things that will attract people that will come and give us the chance to tell them the whole story of Jesus. We've got to do that in our ministries. We've got to do that in our children's ministries, in our youth ministries. We've got to think about how are we going to touch people when they walk in the door and reach them with the gospel. But also, we have to be attractional, draw people to the church. That's why we do the things like youth ministries and, and all the different things that we do and to build those interactions. But not only do we have to do that so people will come, we've got we've to reach out to people to go out into our community. Some of that is organically, where you are just in a workplace, where you're in a neighborhood, where, where you, you're in a family, and God wants to put you there, fill you with His Spirit, lead you in what you say, so you can be a shining light in that place. Some of that is through our small groups that invite people to come in, and then in the process of not only bringing people into their group, but they sit and say, how can we serve our community? What can we do to reach out to our community? Some of that is in doing food baskets like we're doing right now, where you can bring food in and give to and, and bring to people that we can take out and give to somebody who has a need. Some of it is in bringing hats and, and scarves and gloves and things like that and that you're not using anymore that are still in good shape, bringing them in and letting us take them out to the, to the, uh, the, the places where, where we are a part of feeding hungry people in our city that don't have these things and give it to them in the name of Jesus. We've just got to reach out to people. We've got to be involved in outreach ministries and go out to where people are at and draw them and speak to them and let the Holy Spirit move in their life. We've got to be serious about doing the work of God. Being a part of the church isn't just about showing up on Sunday morning. Being a part of the church is being the church wherever you go on your own and working with the other members of the church to do what God would have us to do. Now here's the biggest challenge. This last year, we sat in a room with the elders of the church, and in that meeting, I gave them all a piece of paper, a blank piece of paper, and I said to them, uh, uh, write down anything that you think we as a church really, you know, we're in this new building, what do we really need to address now? And they, 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 they all sat there, I, just wanted, I wanted to hear what all the individuals thought, and they, they wrote stuff down. And then we took it all, and we put it on a board so that we could see, and, and we numbered as we put them on there when, when somebody else said the same thing. And if I remember, if my, if my memory's right, I think the number one thing on our board was discipleship across the ages. And we had about 10 things on the board, and we decided we can't address all these right now. Let's address a couple of them. And the first one we said, we've got to, we, we've got to take a new swing at discipleship, at helping people be founded in the Word of God. And so we started from there, and we, several of the, the elders at that time began to work together and study together and do research together. And we've been looking from that time to this about what we can do to help you really be founded more deeply in the Word of God. And remember, Barna's research that says, overall knowledge of Scripture, doctrine, and church history is poor among most Christians. We want to make sure that's not true here. 
We want to be a church that helps people come to full biblical maturity of faith in following Christ. Into a place where the enemy cannot get to you because you know the Word of God. I want to tell you, bad doctrine is dangerous doctrine. Even if you're sincere about it, bad doctrine is dangerous doctrine. It sets you and your children up for the enemy to get to you. In January, we're going to start a new and purposeful process towards discipleship. It's going to start with a few small things. It's going to build over the course of time, but it will be intentional and purposeful to help you build a maturity of faith through the Word of God, to get stronger and stronger on a more solid foundation, more firm in what you believe and what you know, so the enemy cannot mess with your life. You will see us as leadership offer new opportunities for you and your family. But listen to me, you have to decide how high you want the fence in your life. We can't, we can't build your fence. We can give you the materials. You've got to build the fence. You have to take advantage of the training. You have to come in and say, I don't, I don't want to be... I don't, want to be, I don't want my doctrine to come from some talking head on YouTube that we don't even know, we've never met, we've never seen before, but now all of a sudden he's saying something. We can't even verify whether it's true. We don't want our doctrine to come from somebody on TV who's rattling off or some sitcom who's rattling off something about God and we go, oh, that sounds right. We don't, our, we don't want our doctrine to come from some book that we've read whose who's, who's, who's faith may switch the next day and be proclaiming something else that isn't true. We want our doctrine not to be founded on any of those things. We want our doctrine to be firmly founded in the Word of God, in what God says to us and how He tells us about what's right and wrong and who He is. We want to give our efforts to knowing God's Word so that we will be a people who are unshakable in our faith because we not only know God, we've experienced His presence. But we have to take advantage of that training. Discipleship is a lifelong growth pattern. Nobody graduates. You don't take four classes and you're now a disciple. Nobody graduates. Nobody ages out. And if you're sitting there saying, I've got enough to get by, then you should be a teacher. <laughs> or you should repent. We are determined to build a culture in our church family that can withstand the storms of our day. Are you in for that? Listen, I believe the Bible is God's Word revealing Himself to us. I believe the Spirit of God is available today to fill us, to develop His nature in us and gift us to change the world. I believe God is worthy of our worship. I believe prayer changes our worlds. I believe our testimonies shake the foundation of doubt in people's lives. I believe the follower of Jesus is supposed to be light in a dark world. I believe we will live for eternity, either in heaven or in hell. And the only way to heaven is through Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. I believe we are supposed to be about the work of the kingdom as long as we live upon this earth. 
I believe we are supposed to live a life that pleases God, striving to be worthy of his son. I believe we are supposed to live brightly, being led by the Spirit of God. I believe we are to love all people, care for the needy, pray for the sick, encourage the believer, and proclaim his word to the lost. I believe we are to fear no men, but we are to put our trust fully in God. And I believe that the church is the hope of the world today. I don't believe government's the hope of the world. I don't believe that the wisdom of man is the hope of the world. I don't believe the philosophies of man is the hope of the world. I believe the only hope of the world is man's heart being transformed by the power of God, being formed in the image of Christ, and beginning to live like him. And I believe that as we live brightly, it'll draw men to him. And as a church, I believe Calvary Church, a body of believers, is supposed to change the tra tra trajectory of our community by living righteously and doing the work God has called us to do. And the call of the church is to make dis disciples. Are you ready to build a fence around the enemy so he can't get to you? I'm telling you, that fence gets built as you know the Word and as you walk in the Spirit of God. It starts with a commitment to Jesus to be a follower, to say in your life, I'm going to do what he tells me to do. I'm, going to, I'm putting my faith in him to be the Savior of my soul, and I follow him as the Lord of my life. And when you begin to follow Jesus as the Lord of your life, he's not calling you to just choose the easy path. He's definitely not calling you to live an apathetic life. He's not calling you to be casual about things. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. He says, I prepared works for you in advance for you to do. He calls us to action. That action is based upon his word, his truth, and his spirit living inside of our lives. I am grateful that a few, few people 50 years ago got together. I was a little kid running around. I looked at the picture today of all the people in that first service and my first thought was where in the world was I at? I was running around someplace. But as I sat here this morning and we sang Blessed Assurance and I began to look out across this congregation and I began to see some of you and remember how God used you and used your family. And I remember years ago when the Everest family supplied buses for us to go bus kids in to the church and just gave them to us for years to go reach kids. I remember people who were born in this fellowship, their moms and dads, born and raised here. I saw people that came walking in our, walking our doors the first time in the oasis and I looked back and Saw them standing there and wondering, who are they and what are they here? And, and now years later, here they are. I thought of all the great things God's done. People saved. People healed. People filled with the Spirit. People delivered from drugs and alcohol. People who are on a trajectory to hell, now on a trajectory to heaven. And I thought, there's still more to do. 
there is still more to do. And together, as we submit ourselves to the Word of God and know His Word and follow the leading of God, friends, every seat can be filled. Lives in this community can be transformed. But we have to be about the work of the kingdom. And so I ask you, as I've asked all year, are you ready to be all in? Are you ready to up the wattage of your life? Do you want to up the wattage of the kingdom? Then let's be a people who say, you know what? When it comes to discipleship, I want to be fully his. When it comes to reaching out to people, I want to do his work. When it comes to being a body of Christ, I want to build the family of God. And together, friends, we can make a difference in this community. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down front right now. Has this been a great morning? (sighs) Prayer teams, wherever you're at, come on down. Don't be bashful. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song. And while we sing that song, if you have any need at all, come down and let somebody pray with you. Now listen. Hear me, everybody. If you're not sure where you are with God, if you think there's many, many ways to God, I want to tell you there's not. There's one way. It's through Jesus. And today, if if you're not sure that that way is living in your heart, that you've surrendered your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're not positive your relationship with Him, as others come for other needs, I want to invite you to come down and have somebody pray with you. You'll leave this place born again. You'll leave this place heading in a new way with God. But whatever your need is, come down and let somebody pray with you in just a moment. But before we do, I just want to challenge you. Just before God, do you want to say, God, I, I want to be fully yours. You're a Christian. I want to say, God, I don't want to be led by anything but being fully what you'd have me to be. I just want you to raise both hands to the Lord right now. Just raise them right to the Lord, and then we're going to pray. Father, we lift our hands to you to very simply say we want to be all yours. All year we've been challenging this challenge, Lord, to be all in. And Lord, as we begin to look at discipleship, help us not to be faint-hearted, but help us to be determined to be formed in your image by your word. When it comes to reaching out to others, let us not be filled with fear and doubt, But Father, let us be a people who walk confidently no matter how the enemy's barking at us. For we know you are our protector and you're the one that guides us. And as a church, Father, let us love each other. Whatever stage of life we are spiritually, whatever stage of life we are physically, Father, let the barriers come down and let us build great and lasting friendships that are healthy that feed each other, that strengthen each other, that bring life to each other, we pray. Let us rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And we ask you to use us in this way in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I love you. I hope you feel that and know that every day. I say the things I say to you because I believe with all of my heart they're the best way for you to walk and live your life. 
And if you do it, I believe eternal reward will be yours. Amen.